0: Well, good morning, church. <laughs> you know, it is actually, Carl's actually stolen the first half of my sermon, so this could go really quick. But, but it really is, I think I can echo, it is such a privilege to be able to be here with you. And the thing is that that word here, honestly, I can say it's a privilege to be here with you if you're watching at Selwyn, or here with you if you're watching online in your homes, wherever your here is, I'm just really thrilled and honored that I can be a part of it. And you know, today is actually traditionally called Pentecost Sunday. And it's the day that we commemorate when the Holy Spirit came on the early church, on the, on the disciples of Jesus as described in Acts chapter two. And the Bible says that when that day came, the disciples were all together in one place. That's when the Holy Spirit came on them. Now we're not quite there yet, but we have taken another step closer. Um, Isn't it incredible though how different life has been from week to week to week over these past few months? You know, we're all collectively journeying through something the likes of which we have never seen before. I even talked to my grandmother the other day, uh, who's 94, and she was alive during World War II, and I said, look, obviously, I think that's the last big global event. How does this compare? And she said it was harder, but this is far stranger. This is weirder. She was able to go out. She was able to go dancing. She was able to be with people. And this has been such a strange thing for her. And this journey has taken us through many changes and turns on the way. You know, I think we've had to re-engage with how we do almost everything. How we work, how we learn, how we socialize, how we eat, how we celebrate, how we mourn, how we travel, how we shop, how we exercise, how we relax, how we communicate, they've all been affected in some way or other over the last couple of months. Even how we view other people around us, what we consider to be healthy, what we think of as safe, has been challenged. And of course, how we gather and how we worship has been affected. Now, as Carl sort of shared a little bit, it has been 11 weeks since we last gathered as a church in a physical location. 11 weeks, and we were in the middle then of our prepare series. You know, how how prophetic has that turned out to be? Prepare, we had no idea what was coming, but we were going to park our boats and clean and mend our nets. And then 10 weeks ago, on the 22nd of March, we did our first live stream of a service, and that was to an empty auditorium. That was a new experience for us. We'd never done that quite like that before. We had to learn a lot, but we did it. And the following week we went into lockdown and we set up the spaces to record in our homes and here we go again. It was something completely different, something we'd never done before. And I've had a lot of feedback from people which is great because I just praise God that people were blessed by the fact that we were able to do what we did in our Bennett's family bubble and in the Crocker family bubble for the five weeks, five Sundays of level four lockdown. But I I thought this morning I'd love to just pull back the curtain a little bit on what that was like on the other side of the camera. <laughs> because it was actually hilarious, really, if you only knew. I and mean, To start with, I genuinely had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I'm a musician, that part was fine, but I was using a sound desk, lights, and cameras that I had never used before and didn't know how to operate. And so during those worship times as we're standing singing, it was very hard to stop my brain from going a million miles an hour because not only was I singing and playing keys and running tracks on an iPad, which is actually quite complicated anyway, I was also the sound guy, the lighting operator, the camera operator, and the lyrics guy, right? So that was all just happening in the one space. And I am more thankful than ever for our tech volunteers right now. Great. just so good. But it was also rather cramped in our living room. Now you might have kind of got that idea on, on video, but, but to explain, our living area has got five ways out of it in one way or another. There's two sliding doors and a front door that, meet, that lead outside, and then there's doors to a hallway and to a small lounge off to one side. But during recording, the black screen blocked access to one of the sliding doors. Uh, One of the camera tripods blocked access to the front door, the second camera tripod blocked access to the lounge and we had to move our couch so that we had room to stand and that got moved at the other end which blocked access to the other sliding door and to the hallway. So literally Brianna and Lucas who weren't part of the recording had to climb over our couch to get anywhere else inside or outside of our house. That was quite fun. The camera that we used to get a close-up of Ethan playing bass was my phone duct taped to a spear mic stand, you know? You just use what you've got, right? And because none of the instruments we were playing are acoustic, like I was playing an electric keyboard and Ethan was playing an electric bass, uh, and we didn't have a sound system, we didn't have any speakers, we just had our headphones. So the only actual sounds that were coming from our living room were Joe and my voices, and the keys just clacking and the strings sort of plucking on the bass and uh, we're just standing there belting out Waymaker at the tops of our voices to absolutely no accompaniment at all. And so music breaks sounded like this. That's what was happening in our lounge. So for our kids and for any of our neighbors, that's what they got. But all of that was only if things went well, (laughs) right? Because during those five weeks, funnily enough, there were a few bloopers. Uh, Sometimes the audio failed and we had to do it again. Uh, Sometimes once the lights just ran out of batteries halfway through, so we had to start over. Um, Some of you may have noticed that one week Joe miraculously sang harmonies without moving her lips uh, because one of the cameras had run out of battery and we had to re-record, but then somehow we managed to get the video of that camera and the audio of the other recording put together, and so there's Joe singing without moving her lips. It's actually just a talent she's had for years. And then each week we had to bundle off all the audio and all the video that we'd recorded and we sent it to Adrian uh, via the cloud who somehow had to make sense of our mess so that we could all worship together on a Sunday morning. And I really wanna honor Adrian and Helena and the Denison family for all that they've done over the last couple of months just to make this work at all. Did he come on staff at the right time or what? And then somehow, and amongst all that craziness, here we are watching, or some of you may have been watching TV3 News one night just before Easter, and there's me and my family in my living room <laughs> worshiping on TV. Like, it was crazy, crazy times. Yeah. So we learned a lot through those five weeks. But then, of course, we entered a new phase. We were able to set up recording in the youth center. We added another bubble of musicians to the team and we had a couple of tech people in there. And we launched a new way of doing things, a way we'd never done before and we learned a whole lot about that. And of course that lasted for two weeks and then we moved over here and we're now doing a recording in this room in a new way, new group of people, slightly larger team. Just as we're getting, beginning to get the hang of that, here we are today with something new, something different, something we've never done before, something that presents new challenges and difficulties, as well as fresh excitement and anticipation for what God is going to do next. I think probably the most uttered phrase that Adrian and I have have used over the last three months is, I don't know how to do that, but I'm sure there'll be a way, right? That's just every single week. Because like everything else in our lives at the moment, how we gather and how we worship has been changed. Over and over again, but I assure you, not why we gather nor who we worship has changed. In Hebrews chapter 10, there's a few verses there, verses 22 to 25, and the message translation puts it like this. So let's do it, full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. You know, we've been as inventive as we can over the last few months, but church, we are going to need to keep on being inventive for the coming weeks, months, and years. We need to keep worshiping together, spurring each other on. I once heard it said that to reach people we have never reached, we're going to need to do things we've never done. Well, that's what we're doing right now. But honestly, I cannot wait. I cannot wait until we can all gather together again in one space. And we will absolutely do that. And we should absolutely do that. But I'm not just sitting around hoping that things can go back to the way they were. Because I believe God has more than just what it used to be. God has more for us, God has more for the church, God has a greater reach into the world with the hope of the gospel in store. And we need to take this opportunity both collectively and individually, all of us as the church, to see how inventive we can be in loving one another and reaching others for Christ. I wanna look this morning at a few verses from the book of Joshua chapter three. There's just a few verses that have really stood out to me in this past few weeks. And the context of these verses is that 40 years earlier, Moses had led the Israelite people out of captivity in Egypt through a spectacular display of God's power. And after escaping Egypt, the next thing that was supposed to happen is that they were meant to go to the promised land. That was what was promised. But it ends up taking them 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness before they get there. You know, last week, Julia, talked about waiting, the gap between. So they came out of slavery here, they were promised, uh, they, were, they were told they're going to the promised land here next, but in between there was the 40 year gap of waiting. And I'm gonna to have to get Julia to teach me how that magic white line comes, but I don't know how to do that. And so when Moses died, before they got to the promised land, Joshua, this man Joshua was put in place as his successor, and it was up to Joshua, to lead the people across the river Jordan and into the land that they had been promised. And that's where we read these verses at the beginning of Joshua chapter three. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, You are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Bit of ancient social distancing there. You have never been this way before. You've never been this way before. You need to know which way to go. Does that phrase resonate with anybody else right now? Could there be a phrase that so accurately describes the circumstances of everyone at the same time as right now? No matter what the specific details are of your experience over the past few months, one thing is certain, just like the Israelites, you have never been this way before. For the Israelites, it was time to cross the Jordan. It was time to come out of the wilderness. It was was time to stop. The wandering, the waiting, it was time to go into the land. But they had never been this way before, and they needed guidance. They needed a direction. They needed to know which way to go. And Joshua tells them, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, then you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Notice they weren't told to follow the priests who were carrying the ark, No, they're actually told to follow the ark itself. So what's the ark of the covenant? The ark symbolized God's very presence among his people. It was a holy uh, object. It was a, a box, basically, that they carried, but it represented the fact that God was dwelling amongst them. It contained a bunch of things in it, like the Ten Commandments, and it it represented the promises that God had made to them and the promises that they had made to God. God had declared to them in Egypt that I will be your God and you will be my people, and that ark represented that covenant between them. And Joshua told the people that because they had never been this way before, in order for them to go the right way, in order for them to travel in the right direction, they needed to fix their eyes on and follow the very presence of God. That was how they were gonna know where to go. Because where you fix your eyes determines the direction that you will go. I've told some of you this story before, but many years ago, decades in fact, my family was on a road trip, traveling up the east coast of the South Island and uh, I think we, were, we would have been definitely north of Kaikoura and I think we were heading towards Blenheim, somewhere in that gap, all right? I was very young, I don't remember specifically. But Dad was driving and Mum was in the front seat and the kids were all in the, the back seats and it was, it's a really beautiful drive along the coast there, I'm sure you're aware, and you have great views of the ocean and cliffs and rocks and maybe even some seals if you're lucky. And uh, on this day, it was particularly clear There were no clouds, there was no haze, there was just an incredible view way out to sea. And suddenly my father exclaimed, look, you can see the North Island. And sure enough, as we gazed out across the ocean waves under the Asia sky out on the horizon, there was indeed clearly visible land, the outline of the coast of our smaller neighbors to the north. And I think it actually probably was the first time I personally, and probably my brothers as well, had ever seen the North Island. It was kind of our first trip along the coast, our first trip north. It was one of those special family moments, you know, one you would have loved to have captured a photo of. But of course, we couldn't because we were driving. And also because, and this may be a real shock to some of you, uh, there used to be a time where children didn't have high-definition cameras on their mobile phones, which they they carried with them at all times, just like, I know, it's really weird. But because we couldn't take a photo, we wanted to take a mental picture of this moment, we wanted to remember this time, so all of us fixed our gaze on this amazing vista out the right-hand side of the windscreen. Now, you may have noticed that everything about that previous sentence is absolutely fine, except for the phrase, all of us, right? Some of us would have been good. Most of us would have been fine. Five out of six of us would have been a perfectly acceptable way for that event to happen. But no, no, all of us fixed our gaze on the outline of the North Island out the right-hand side of the windscreen. And uh, we learned with extreme clarity that day that when you fix your eyes on something, that's the direction that you travel in. And suddenly, Dad became aware of a concrete wall looming right in front of us as the road had taken a bend, and it's the last line of protection before we're just going to drive off the road and, I guess, into the ocean, I don't know. So dad somehow reacted fast enough that he slammed into a left-hand turn and we all leaned and we managed to get the car up on two wheels, or at least that's what it felt like at the time. and somehow managed to retain control that we barely managed to make the bend without scraping the car or hitting the wall. And that was good, except of course, we were still on the wrong side of the road and there was a large truck coming. So it was back into a hard slam to the left and we're back on two wheels again, I think, and we managed to just get back on our side of the road as the truck comes past then we had a few moments of quiet uh, while we let our heart rates return to normal. It really is fortunate that dad is as good a driver as he is. But in that moment, the direction of his gaze where he had fixed his eyes determined the direction in which we traveled. My daughter Brianna is a dancer, Some of many of you will know that, she loves dancing. And uh, in some of her dances, she does a series of turns or spins as she travels across the dance floor. And when you spin, especially if you're doing multiple spins in a row or if you're turning very quickly, it's very easy to get disoriented or to start moving in the wrong direction because you're spinning around. So in order for Brianna to travel in a straight line, she uses a dance technique called spotting. And you've probably all seen this technique in use at some point. The dancer focuses their gaze on a single point. And it could be a light or an object or just a spot on the wall or maybe even another dancer. And as they spin their body, they keep their eyes fixed on that single point until they can't see it anymore and then they whip their head around to refix on that single point so that their eyes are always pointing in that one direction even as their body spins around. Not only does spotting help the dancer control the direction they're traveling in, but it also prevents dizziness and it helps control balance. But the technique doesn't work if every time you spin around, you change your spotting point to a different location. And the technique doesn't work if your spotting point is in constant motion, so that every time you spin around, you have no idea where that object is going to be. I was thinking like a a bumblebee would be the worst spotting point to use. Because if you don't fix your eyes on a fixed point, as you spin, you'll move in the wrong direction, you'll get a bit dizzy, and you'll lose your balance. Church, we are living in a season where it feels like every few weeks or even days, we've been spinning around. We've never been this way before. And if we fix our eyes on the wrong thing, then we're gonna move in the wrong direction, we're going to get dizzy, and we're gonna lose our balance. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2 says this, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's the direction we need to run. Put Christ at the center, make Jesus your spotting point. Whenever you are turned around, whenever you are spun around, fix your gaze on him. There is no substitute that will lead you in the right direction. There is no substitute that will stop you from getting dizzy or give you balance as you live out your journey of faith. You cannot just fix your gaze on the media. I guarantee you will get dizzy. You cannot exclusively fix your gaze on a government or a political party or a political leader to lead you in the right direction in your faith journey. You cannot even fix your gaze on a pastor or a church leader to gain your balance as nice as Carl and Ange are. Even Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians 11 says this, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Or other ways of saying it are, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's telling people, use me as an example, follow what I do, imitate me, but only as I follow or imitate Christ. If my example does not point you to Christ, then that's not the example to follow. That's not putting Jesus at the center. That is not where you should fix your gaze. We've been going through a time unlike any we have seen before. And right now, particularly in New Zealand, we are starting to move out of a wilderness season like the Israelites, and we're starting to cross over into whatever is coming next. But we've never been there before either. And as we continue to go places we have never been before, we need to fix our eyes on something that will lead us in the right direction, that will give us balance, and that won't make us dizzy. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus And keep Christ at the center of every aspect of our lives. I could invite the team up, we're gonna sing again soon, but just as I finish up. As much as I'm certain that nobody's been this way before, I'm also certain that these last 11 weeks will have looked completely different for different people. Some will have experienced a huge increase in their workload, but others the workload will have decreased dramatically or in fact even ceased altogether. Some people will have experienced a huge hit on their finances, but other people in other industries will have seen an increase in their finances in this season. Some will have been blessed by having a lot more time at home with their families, but others will have been feeling the burden of having a lot more time at home with their families while still carrying a full-time job. Some will have been desperately aching to get out and go and do stuff, while others still now will be concerned or even fearful about what is safe what's right and what's appropriate i know that some have lost loved ones over these months and my heart and my love goes out to you and your families but others have celebrated birthdays or anniversaries or other significant milestones happy 20th wedding anniversary darling if anyone else is like me, then actually some of us will feel as though we've actually experienced all of those things and many, many, many more over the last 11 weeks. None of us knew it was coming because we've never been this way before. None of us knew how we would respond because we've never been this way before. None of us really know what's coming next because we've never been this way before. So we need to fix our eyes On Jesus put Christ at the center of our work at the center of our finances at the center of our families at the center of our time at the center of our priorities at the center of our recreation our celebrations our relationships our thought life at the center of our worship then we will know which way to go even though we've never been this way before the team's gonna lead us in worship again now they're gonna gonna sing a song nothing else and I truly believe that worship is one of the key things that will help us keep Christ at the center. I had an interesting moment in my own life early this week. I was driving to pick the kids up from school on Monday afternoon, and I was thinking about all kinds of stuff, all sorts of articles that I'd read, posts that I'd seen online, I was thinking about how things were gonna work for church under the new guidelines. I was thinking about lots of the political news that had been going on, as well as everything happening with COVID-19 around the world, You know, just the usual stuff. I mean, this was even before all the events that have taken place in the US over the last few days. And I was feeling agitated. I was feeling frustrated. I was feeling dissatisfied. Uh, To be honest, I was probably feeling worried And I told God, I said, God, this is really hard and what I'm feeling right now is really hard. What do I do? And I felt God say this to me, then worship me. Because when you worship me, you won't feel agitated, you'll feel my peace. When you worship me, you won't feel frustrated, you'll feel my joy. When you worship me, you won't feel dissatisfied, you'll feel my fulfillment. When you worship me, you won't feel worried, you'll sense my presence. So I invite you, wherever you're here is right now, if you're in the room, you're at cell and you're at home, why don't you stand with us? And we're gonna declare that there is nothing else that compares to Jesus. There is nothing else that we will put at the center of our lives. There is nothing else that we will fix our eyes on but Jesus, and then we will know which way to go. Let's worship.